The field of personal development is dominated by techniques and steps. Many of them are useful, but none of them can guarantee sustainable results until we develop a deeper understanding of what's simply true about the mind. We need to find axiomatic principles, things that are true even when we do not believe in them. Welcome to Brand New Thought. I'm Razmik Sargassian, and this is a podcast about the mind, how it works, and how understanding it can help us. We will take an honest look at what's true about ourselves, our thoughts, and our experiences. We will hear from experts around the world and people who will tell us about their own stories of change, transformation, and healing. Hello and welcome to Brand New Thought. Today's special guest is the wonderful Dominic Scafidi, a master certified coach credentialed with the International Coaching Federation. Dominic is based in Canada and works with different teams and individuals to achieve professional and personal aspirations. He's grounded in two main teachings. The first one is the three principles of mind, consciousness, and thought. A lot of the things in this podcast are inspired by the principles And if you're not familiar with them, this episode will be a good introduction. If you are familiar with them, then you must stick around because Dominic takes it to a different level. He's also grounded in the teachings of Abraham Hicks, and he often points to the common space of truth that these teachings refer to. I think his way of speaking about it sheds new light on how understanding the mind can help us unlock our full potential. The overarching topic of this episode is uncertainty. We have discussed things such as the experience of uncertainty and where it comes from, decision-making, alignment with wisdom, how to tap into it, and what prevents us from staying in it. There's a lot in this episode. I even asked Dominic about extreme forms of uncertainty, such as war and armed conflicts, because I feel like a good part of the conversation about innate well-being and abundance is often in a very western context which can make it harder for people who are dealing with a completely different external reality to relate to those things and that's a shame because if the goal is to reach the source of our experience how the mind truly works on a nuclear fundamental level then any truth would have to be true always that's the focus of this podcast and i found dominic to be a perfect person to discuss this topic with Thank you so much for tuning in, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and subscribe to Brand New Thought. Dominic Scafidi, I'm so honored to have you on Brand New Thought. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to our conversation. Beyond the formal introductions, what would you like people to know about you before we begin? That I love my life. Mm. (laughs) That, that that um I'm having a good time. <laughs> and uh yeah, that that that's about it. And that's where I speak from and for the intention of sharing that, because I know that that's available for everyone. I love that. And I think that's one of the reasons I really wanted to speak with you and introduce you to my audience too. So I want to begin by setting the table a little bit. And I would really love us to speak about uncertainty and navigating uncertainty and By uncertainty, I mean both external uncertainty and internal uncertainty. You know, especially in my region, there's a lot of external uncertainty. So people going through these times of volatility and uncertainty, especially when they get introduced to ideas such as 
thought creates your reality or law of attraction. I know you speak a lot about the teachings of Abraham Hicks. It can seem kind of distant from that. So I want us just to begin from that. In terms of understanding how the mind works and surfing, dealing with this external uncertainty, what do you think is a missing piece of knowledge? Yeah, I'll, I'll do a, like a, the quick response or reaction about what was said is the only place uncertainty exists is in the personal mind. And so an experience of uncertainty is from a, a use mostly of the personal mind. And you will always be uncertain from your finite perspective. Fortunately, that is not all that you are. And you have access to an infinite intelligence where there is no uncertainty. And so that, that becomes your challenge is this blending or allowing all that you know, allowing what is known from the infinite intelligence that is who you really are, that is the only elimination of uncertainty that there is. And so there's some, you know, blending or navigating of these two perspectives that exist within you at all times. When you speak about infinite intelligence, the way I think about it is that there's the space in us that is always still, that is always certain. And a lot of people access that state through different means, or sometimes it just happens. What is it that takes us away from that space? I'm going to say it's even more practical and even more every day than something that gets accessed from time to time or, or that you need to, you know, sort of still your mind or get to a quiet mind or anything like that. Because the truth of it is what's so obvious and apparent that we would overlook it is that in our very existence, our very living here, there's more going on than in any moment you would have a full conscious awareness of. So practically speaking, the fact is I'm here and I'm speaking with you and well, I'm breathing at the same time. <laughs> and, I'm breathing at the same time, which means, you know, this oxygen is being taken in and I don't know what's going on in my body, right? So there's this whole energy. I'm, I'm moving my hands, but, but, but I don't think that we have yet invented any sort of machinery to be able to do these kinds of movements. And they are in sync with my very thought. So somehow there's something going on, even just if I just look at me, I, I drink water, I, I eat food, and all of this is digested with minerals and nutrients removed and feeding cells in my body, which are reproduced and others discarded. And um, if I cut my finger, it heals. There, there's no medical understanding, like the most advanced medical understanding if you have a cut on your finger is that the best treatment is to put a Band-Aid on it so you stop interfering. And then 
So that's the latest sort of understanding of all the study is you get a band-aid so you don't interfere because there is an energy and an intelligence that will heal that faster than anything you can do and it will heal it perfectly. So when it comes to this accessing this infinite intelligence or how do I get at it or whatever, the truth is you can't get away from it. It, it's so close to you. It's in your very breath. It is an energy that is moving you. And this is, you know, in the teachings of Sidney Banks, I, as an aside, I haven't, I could have said that in an intro. It's an important thing is that everything I speak to is really grounded in many teachings, but very strongly grounded in two teachings, which is the teachings of Sidney Banks, known as the Three Principles, and the teachings of Abraham Hicks, um, which many people uh, speak to as well as uh, teachings about law of attraction and all of that. So these two teachings um, are grounded quite a bit. So from this infinite intelligence perspective, this is what Sidney Banks called uh, the, the principle of mind. So mind is this energy of all things. It is, it is that infinite intelligence that's there. And it's a formless energy. What's that mean? Well, all energy, <laughs> energy is formless, unless you somehow figure out a way to contain it. But even then, <laughs> it's indivisible right. from all other energy. So you're never apart from this infinite intelligence because it literally makes you up and it literally animates you and moves you and breathes you. And so there's no way of getting apart from it. Um, yeah, I'll pause there. <laughs> I love that. And I agree. And I experienced that even in times of great uncertainty. And I think that was the experience that really after that, I was, I was almost, I almost became more sure. Oh no, this is not just kind of a philosophy or a good idea. It's really yeah. there. And at the same time, I want to say that on my own personal example too, maybe intellectually, I know it's all there, but my relationship to it or my mm -hmm. access to it or capacity to kind of milk it goes up and down. And a good example of what you just said is decision-making and considering the three principles you know, one of the three principles is that we experience our thinking, therefore our feeling can be an indicator and is an indicator about the quality of our thought. So in terms of decision-making, when I'm, for example, when I'm in stress, like intellectually, I know that this probably points to my lack of capacity to arrive at a decision. In other words, I do have the infinite intelligence, but somehow maybe my access to it at the moment isn't better but if i'm so attached to it that i feel like oh now i have to figure it out harder or collect more information it's the same with all the people that i speak with so what would you say about the interference into our connection with the infinite intelligence and how can understanding the mind better help us sustain it better yeah yeah it is all about understanding because um uh, in understanding, we become more effective. In, in a deeper understanding, we, we have more ability to access any of this, uh, again, from purely from an understanding. And the, because to figure out what to do is 
that is way too complicated because the what to do in any moment would be way too complex. It would involve too many things. And, and to your point, well, what level of stress are you in? Is it a really high level of stress or you're just sort of like a little uncomfortable or something? And so like, so that to try, so what do I do if I'm just uncomfortable compared to what if I do, if I'm in serious stress, right? Like, so like, so to try to go in that direction about um, what to do would be impossible. It would never account for all the scenarios. So the what really works is I understand, like once I understand how it works, I understand the guidance or information which is coming at me 24-7 in every second, in every conscious moment. And what that is that I'm never kind of escaping is that to be conscious and thinking, to be aware and thinking, I am feeling whatever I'm thinking. <clears throat> so three, three principles are, we only really said one, we said that mind is infinite intelligence. This is what Sidney Banks distinguished. But that infinite intelligence or formless energy, he, he, he described it in other ways. He's, it's the same thing and he kept describing it in other ways. So he said this formless energy, this intelligence, then he added, which is aware. Hmm. So it's just not sitting there, <laughs> kind of like dead. It is aware. So he added a principle of consciousness. So this is aware, it is an awareness. And then we can notice that ourselves. We can notice, oh my God, I'm aware, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm, right? Like you can know that you're aware. You can know that you know things, like it's just like that. But, but if you take that, inf that infinite, which Sidney Banks said is the energy of all things, well, uh, like it, it's there and it's aware. Well, aware of what? <laughs> the only thing it can be aware of, if that's all it is, is it can only be aware of all that is. All that is, is the intelligence of all things. It is aware of all that is, all that it could be aware of, unless you bring in a third principle. And a third principle is that awareness can focus upon itself. I just said aware of itself, but awareness can focus upon itself. To focus upon itself is of course to be aware of itself, to, but, but at that point you can now focus upon aspects of yourself, which is the principle of thought. Thought is focused consciousness. Thought is focused awareness. And and in the focusing on itself is really the creative principle at that point, because now you, you, you know, this is an intelligence that's a creator, that is the creator of all things. And the way it creates is, it's just really creating itself. It's just like thinking itself. And, and in that thinking itself and whatever it's focused on, it is that that's why that's the creative principle. So I don't know how we got onto that, but oh yeah. 
<laughs> because we're trying to figure out, you know, this whole what do we do under certain situations and how do we access infinite intelligence? So first of all, in the finite form, here I am, because the only one trying to figure anything out is my finite form, my human physical perspective, who's now stuck in certain conditions and situations, trying to figure them out. Um, I'm a mirror of everything I just said, because those principles are true. And so, so they are true in every corner in every particle of the universe. That is true, those three principles. So now we want to talk about me, me who, me that ends at the edges of this physical body, right? <laughs> like, I'm talking about me, I'm concerned with me. Well, I'm a mirror of that. And Sidney Banks said, there is a personal mind, and that's now finite. It's a mind that knows about me, me, this little guy. And, and, and really, that's not like my own mind. That's like a use of this energy. Sidney Banks said, um, you know, there's an energy of all things and you are a microscopic aspect of the energy of all things. So you're indivisible. You're just like taking some edge of it or point of it. So now we mirror everything. There's a personal mind which we could say contains all my intelligence. Well, that's a scary thought because that's not a lot of intelligence. But it's indivisible from mind. It is, a, it is an aspect of mind. So you only have to worry about it if all you're doing is thinking about the aspect of mind. But it's indivisible from mind. So there's that. I'm conscious, and the only thing I'm conscious of is I'm conscious of thought. The only awareness I have is of thought, of the focus of my consciousness. So I'm aware of anything I'm focused upon. And as I focus on anything, then there's a feeling with it. And, and there's, there's going to be guidance in the feeling, but I'll have to say more about that because there's a wisdom in the feeling, but we'll have to say more about that. I'll pause for now. <laughs> what you said reminded me of a metaphor of a computer with its own memory and a computer connected to internet. So yeah. it seems like the universal intelligence that you point to is the internet part and the intelligence that your computer has is what's already stored in it. But at any moment you, you, you are connected. Yeah, that's, that's a great metaphor. You can get any of it at any moment. It's always available to you and you wouldn't want to store too much of it here. And also how inefficient it is to try to solve problems and work on important things with only the stored data. Like that's the only data you've ever accessed and you download it and you put it, you put the data onto spreadsheets and you get, and so now you're just going to work with that. Like that doesn't even make sense when you're encountering, encountering a new problem, a challenge or something you wish to create that is beyond what you've ever created or done before. How does it even make any sense that you're only going to work with what you have on this computer? I mean, this is where understanding comes in. The only way you would do that is because you don't understand the whole picture. If you don't understand right. the whole picture and you misunderstand who you are, who you are is this physical computer. Who you are is this finite 
set of intelligence and data. Who you are is only that. Well, of course, then it makes sense to go like to run that thing like crazy into stress, into high levels of stress, trying to figure out problems that you've never encountered before. That would make sense. That's the way to do it. But if you understood that that thing is connected to an infinite intelligence, it would make no sense to ever go off in a direction like that. So it becomes the most obvious thing in the world. Like, so what do I do? What do I do? It just can, yeah. It's all about that's, understanding. <laughs> that's beautiful. And I resonate with that so much. I'm sometimes thinking it's just common sense. If the solution was in the personal mind or the memory, I, I would have already figured it out. So how does it make sense to kind of poke into that further, especially when there's an external uncertainty happening? So you might want to tap into the infinite intelligence even more. And for my dad, for example, he was a doctor in the first war. And he would always tell me that in those very uncertain situations, it almost felt like thought kind of stopped. So almost like the external absurdity of the situation was to such a degree that there was no sense to even think about it. So you had no choice than to be present. And I've been experiencing that when I travel, for example, and I, and I know that I only have like 12 hours in a city or something like that, it, it's almost like there's no point in thinking about it or hanging out with my personal mind. So I just open up and then I pledge to myself that, oh, no, I, I want to be as open as I am right now all the time. And yet, for whatever reason, I think somehow the personal mind, uh, there's a temptation. So we're speaking about something that now seems like a common sense. And yet why why is this so kind of hard to grasp or why is it hard to align the way we think with this more sustainably um the trap become becomes in preference the trap becomes in preference um even in our community and i, I speak to the three principles community um you can hear preference all over the place preference for divine mind, divine consciousness, divine thought and vilification of personal mind and personal thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have preference. So consider that in Sidney Banks tried, <laughs> he said he he tried because he was using descriptors. He said, you know, there's formless, formless energy expressing itself into form. And so he knew he was using, he knew he was making that up. Yeah. He was describing something and making it up. And right when he said it, he goes, and that's not even true because there's only the allness. So it's not a formless energy expressing into form. That's not true. There's only the allness, right? But you can't talk about it. So then he described it this way. And then in his description, there became a preference for the parts of God that we think are the good parts and the parts of God that we dislike. And we hate it even within ourselves. The good part of me is only the infinite, the divine, all of that. But my finite perspective is nothing but trouble. It causes me nothing but trouble. And if I could only figure out a way to stop living in this finite perspective, 
then I would be good. It causes me all of my problems. And it brings you all of your joy, all of the experience of your joy. It brings you all of the experience of love, all of the experience of peace. It brings you every experience you've ever had, every experience of abundance. It brings you these experiences, which is the reason you focus within it. You focus within it because who you are is all of that. Who you are is pure peace, infinite intelligence. Who you are is abundance. Who you are is, a, is love. Who you are is total power, never less than that. And you can come to a place of knowing that and being aware of that. But in order to experience who you are, you will require your finite perspective, which is the reason you, God, focused here as Rasmic. <laughs> the reason you focused as Rasmic is so you could experience your power, you could experience your peace in the turmoil that Rasmic faces. So it is only because you couldn't even experience turmoil if we're not for Rasmic's finite right. perspective. So through that finite perspective, which gives you the experience of a conflict and a turmoil, right? Then through that, you can experience what peace is and you can experience what the settling of peace and the ret return to peace and all of that. Right. So this, you know, so what do I do and what do I do when I'm there and whatever? What, what there comes um, a removing of this preference and an honoring and a valuing of all that you are. And, and knowing that who you are is a movement, not a thing, right? It is a process and not a thing. So, and by the way, God gave us clues of this everywhere. It's like, look at your breathing. Do you prefer the out breath or do you prefer the in breath? Well, you better not prefer any of it because right. what it is is a movement. And it is a movement in and out and in and out and it never stops. And you only have a problem if you attempt to interfere with that movement. So that movement is glorious and beautiful and being in the personal mind and in your personal thinking is glorious and it is beautiful and it gives you every experience of joy and abundance that you have ever had. And by the way, there's a wisdom there in all of these feelings that tells you when you've gone into your personal mind and tried to steer it yourself. And when you try and do that, take it over and try to steer it, um, you are now interfering. And in that interference, you will feel the you will move from an ease. So an ease is a movement in and out. It is a flow. It is a stream of consciousness. When you go into the personal and you attempt to manipulate or engineer it and get it to think a certain way and to do certain things, right, you will then feel rather than ease, you will move into a state of dis-ease. 
and in the movement into a state of dis-ease is that discomfort you begin to feel because you are no longer now operating as you intended to operate. Sidney Banks himself didn't kind of model being high all the time. He was perfectly comfortable with getting angry or getting upset. And so uh, a lot of this seems to be about being comfortable when you're uncomfortable and accepting. And I'm not saying accepting as a kind of an action, but accepting as an inevitable side effect of understanding that this is part of being human and if not for one you wouldn't be able to experience the other and this is where i really appreciate the way you speak about these things because you also connect the teachings of abraham hicks and they speak a lot about contrast yes. and i think that contrast is a big part of this even before having encountered with these understandings through transcendental meditation i would enter this really uh, thoughtless kind of states and i was just so high and flying around and then after that, when I would get stressed, it was kind of the same level of stress as I would experience before. But now that I had this kind of state to compare it with, I would innocently think that I'd actually gone more astray and therefore I had more problems to deal with. So there seems to be this mm. trick of spirituality is somehow we <laughs> make up problems as we go. Do you feel like it's common? Um, well, it was, it was, you know, it's interesting. It was never... Uh, it's never intended like that. See, that is that is a misunderstanding of mind. That yeah. is that is a misuse of mind. Because never came intending to use your own mind against yourself. In fact, in fact, if you think about God, we're we're we are made in the image, right? So I talked about we're a reflection of the principles, we're a reflection of that. It 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 is in our finite perspective, everything is there. So if you think about that, you know, let's talk about that as like the creator and it's like what's the creator do with thought? Well, the creator with thought, they say, you know, God said, let there be light. So God thought light, and so there was. So this is how the creator creates. This is how the creator uses thought. The creator focuses on any aspect of itself within its own consciousness and can think that thought without opposing it, can think a pure thought a divine thought, Sidney Banks called it. Yeah. In thinking a thought without opposing it, in other words, God is able to think and never think against itself. So, so pure wisdom God, is just is, it can just stay like that the whole time. <laughs> and so once the thought, God says, let there be light, and there is nothing to oppose that thought, that thought manifests that thought is expressed, that thought is expressed and can be experienced, right? We, on the other hand, think things and with all kinds of noise along with it, right? I would really like a business. I would really like to have an impact and bring about more peace. I would really like to influence this, but no one's going to listen to me. And I don't even have the credentials for the such and such. And 
by and by the way i'm actually rather introverted because and you and unless i'm extroverted i don't see how anybody's ever got oh my god how much thinking is there in totally opposed to the very thing that you desire that you stated right so this is the use of the mind in a way that is just like a mess <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's such a mess I mean, we it's create a mess. <laughs> it's so, it's almost funny. Like, I, I think the first time I had insights about any of this, I was just laughing nonstop for like yes. 30, 40 minutes <laughs> yeah. because I realized that so many of the problems I thought I had was trying to use fire to extinguish fire. It's just absurd. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And we, we can even say it more accurately. It's not just many of my problems. Every single one of the problems, every problem I'm able to conjure is exactly that. It is me thinking a thought and opposing it. Me knowing and realizing a desire that I then oppose. Me having a desire which I resist with thought. It's every single one of my problems. There's not a problem that is not that. You mentioned desire, which brings me to my next question. There's this idea in Buddhism that desire is the root of all suffering, but actually yes. from the original text, I think it should have been translated as craving and craving yes. as if attachment to like, if I need to drink this bottle of water and if I don't do it, then I'm not enough. Then in that sense, maybe it will be a problem. So there's a kind of a misunderstanding from that angle. But there's a lot of misunderstanding from the other angle, too, because, you know, law of attraction has become a really buzzword. And there's so many things out there that refer to law of attraction that yeah. and have nothing to do with, let's say, Abraham Hicks. And, you know, some somebody's most common thing would be, oh, if I just think something hard enough, it's just going to happen. So could you speak a little bit about this relationship between desires and cravings? And I want to know what you think is the role of desire in personal development and personal transformation, or even insights about what we are speaking about. Does there have to be a desire for that? Um, there's no life without desire. And it's interesting that it's, you're right in Buddhism, uh, or that this mistranslation of desire, when the word is yearning, the mm. word is like yearning. Um, yearning has no notice and and if that's true if that translation is mistranslated then what if you think about what buddha said so that desire i think the way it's described is that that's the cause of the suffering yeah but let's translate now yearning is the cause of the suffering desire is the feeling of life itself mm. without desire there is no life desire is felt only through your finite perspective through the small you and what you are feeling is all that you are what you are feeling is the God that you are wanting to live through you. You feel as desire. What does that even mean? God wanting to live through you? God wanting to 
come alive through you into this physical existence. Wanting, God desiring, wanting expression of itself into form, the feeling you have from the finite perspective is the feeling of desire. Desire is not suffering. What is suffering is your resistance to it. That will cause suffering every time. There is nothing you can do about desire. You have no choice. This is where Sidney Banks said, there is only one will and that is the will of God. So God's will to come to life and to thrive and express through you will never be thwarted. That is the only will. It is eternal. It will never cease. You have free will. Your free will is to allow the expression and movement of the infinite through you, and you have the freedom to resist it. That is your free will. You have the freedom to allow, and you have the freedom to resist that. And so in the resistance of it, see, because God will never assert anything. God will never uh, force a thought into your head. You can allow the thoughts of God or you can resist. And in your, but you cannot resist anything without feeling it. And you cannot allow anything without feeling it. So in the entire spectrum of whether you are allowing or resisting, you will feel it, which now gets to this, you know, high and, you know, positive and all of that. And Sidney Banks said, your wisdom is only, only in a positive feeling. Wisdom is only in a positive feeling. So when you are allowing that energy to flow through you, that is a positive feeling. When you are in resistance to it, that is a negative feeling. There's no intelligence. There is no wisdom in a negative feeling because the negative feeling is your focus against yourself. You're focused against infinite intelligence. And that will feel negative. It will not feel good to you. So this is Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. Sydney Banks said, wisdom's only in a positive feeling. Abraham Hicks says, make nothing more important than that you feel good. Every one of them pointing you to live as all that you are. And there is no way that you can live here as God and not feel good. So in other words, this is me, the personal mind. This is me as infinite mind. And... Feel, so feeling, I can take feeling as an indicator to how close I am to the version of me that allows that infinite perspective to flow through me. Is that the meaning of feeling? That's, be that's, that's beautiful. That you see, you can feel the degree of it. You can feel the sense of alignment with it. You are not created as a an automaton you are not created as a robot to think as god you are not here thinking as the infinite in the finite perspective it's not even rational it's not even possible uh, to think as god in the 
finite, something around all of that wouldn't even make sense. There's so, but, but, but you can, you can, are you thinking, see, because everything you're focused upon, the war, the conflicts, the challenges and problems in your life, here, here, here's the, going back to your, you know, solving problems and making this practical. Here you are, and your attention is on your business. Your attention is on a conflict. Your attention is on something that is not just right in where you're living or something like that. Well, let's have this understanding. Is that your attention that is on that? Do you even have an attention or consciousness? What we're talking about is that's God's attention on that thing. You don't have a consciousness of your own. That is the consciousness of God focused finitely with its attention on that war. Now, how is God viewing what is manifested? How is God viewing that? What does God see? Do you think God is fearful of that war? Not no. at all. Do you think that God hates one side of that war and loves the other? Not at all. So God's attention and consciousness is on everything you have your attention and consciousness on. And what's different is from your finite perspective as an aspect of God, you have a different relationship with that. You are an aspect of God and not all that God is. So you are an aspect of God from a finite perspective and not all that God is from a finite perspective. From your finite perspective, when you see, now you speak of contrast, when you look, so God sees no problem and God has no hatred, and God has no fear. And so now you look from a finite perspective and what you see is this contrasting. You see one side versus another. You see you see things that can harm you and others that can't. So you, you have stuff to fear, you have all that. But what that contrast does is lights up every aspect of your perception which is, I, I don't know to say if, whether it's like an incomplete, it's less than that, right? And that's the reason, by the way, you're able to perceive it. And so it is, con it's so what, when you see unwanted things, that, that is the indicator that there is, the, you, could not, you could not perceive what is unwanted if there was not also what is wanted instead you you could not perceive a scarcity of anything a lack of something if there were not also the abundance of it the presence of it so this is what contrast is it is in every abraham will say in every particle of the universe there is that which is wanted and the absence of it in other words in order for anything to exist 
It's in a dualistic nature. It must have the thing in the absence of the thing. That is the only way the thing can pop out of the energy of all things and exist is is as a thing and not the thing. If it didn't have that distinction, it would be all things. We just heard from Dominic Scafidi, a master certified coach based in Canada. The second part of this conversation is in the next episode, where we go into more detail about how to work with desire and feelings in the context of uncertainty and beyond. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. This is Brand New Thought, and I'm Rasmik Sargassian, wishing you a brand new experience of life. Goodbye!